eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth. You're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Saturday, May 28th. It is the Saturday of Memorial Day weekend. And we'll talk more about the the meaning of Memorial Day when uh, we hit that day on Monday because we have a special show for you. Today and tomorrow, we've got a two-part interview with Michael Clinton. Michael Clinton has quite a resume, I have to say. It's pretty amazing to me. He is the former president and publishing director of Hearst Magazines, the whole thing. And he's written a book called Roar, R-O-A-R. Sometimes it's hard to say that. Anyway, it's called Roar into the second half of your life before it's too late. In the category of trying to create a second or third act for you before it is too late, I thought this was a good book to um, to talk about and also to maybe get you thinking on a long holiday weekend, maybe have some time about the things that you could be considering if you want a next stage or a next endeavor or a new endeavor. So here's the first part of our interview with Michael Clinton. Okay. So Michael, let's start with the book called Roar into the second half of your life before it's too late. And before we got on the air, I was saying to Michael that I had to attend a funeral of a fairly young guy and he had decided he was going to retire. And then like three months before his actual retirement date was diagnosed with a late stage cancer. And so I think part of the messaging of your book is like, don't wait around to do something. Try to figure out what it is you want to do. So how did this book come about? What was the, what was the, what was going on in your life and why'd you write this book? Yeah, thanks. Well, first of all, I'm sorry for your loss. And I think the, before it's too late, sort of in parentheses on the cover was, you know, spoke to that notion of anything can happen at any time. You know, fortunately, most people, when they're healthy, if they live to be 60, they have a really good shot of living to be 90, you know. But as you say, you know, things happen and people get illnesses and you're thrown the curveball. But everything that I read and everything that I that I saw and when I talked to people, it was all about the wind down once you hit 60. And I was more interested in the wind up. You know, I wanted to know what could people do? How could people 
have a second career, have a new relationship, have a different lifestyle. Because if you're 60 and healthy and you've got hopefully, you know, 30 years ahead, that's a lot of living. And, you know, the construct that we were given of retirement was created back in the 1930s when the median age was 62. Today, even with the dip in the pandemic, you know, we're still, you know, close to 80 or almost 77 in life expectancy and, and will continue to grow. And in fact, Stanford University just put out a study about the 100 year life and how it's going to become more and more normalized. So the second half has a lot of possibilities that people don't think about. So that's really what sparked me to go out and pursue doing some research and talking to people about this phenomenon. It's interesting to me that we are getting so many questions since the pandemic, really, more than ever about, I'm just exhausted. I'm tired of doing what I did do, but I don't know what I want to do next. How do you think, I mean, I think that that's one of the big issues. Like, well, I don't know who would want me. How do we answer that question when people are sort of contemplating how to roar into the second half of your life? And then what do you think they should be doing? And, and when should they start thinking about this? Well, I interviewed 40 people who all have done it, who all did exactly what you what you just described. And I would say that the first thing they did is they spent a good year or two thinking about what it is that they truly wanted in their lives. It may have been in one particular area, like a career, or it may have been in, in lifestyle, but they put in the time, they put in the introspection, and there's a lot of inspiration and tools in the book that can help you figure out that process. One of the processes is something called the SWOT analysis that some people may know through business, you know, really mapping out your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats to figure out the path. But there were a few pearls that came out of the, the interviews. One which I really loved was to go back to your younger self. What did you leave on the shelf when you were in your early 20s? You know, we all know the story about the person who wanted to be an anthropologist, but they were talked into being an accountant because it was a more practical choice. One of the interviews I had was a woman who always wanted to be a writer, but she wanted to be a, a mystery writer. And she had a long career as a sales executive. And in her mid to late 50s, she started really focusing on that, that thing that she left on the shelf. And she took writing classes and went to uh, Dan Brown's master class and joined the Writers Guild, the Mystery Writers Guild of America. And she wrote her first novel in her at, at 59, which was rejected, as she said, by 170 publishers. <laughs> that's a lot of publishers. And that's a lot of due diligence to get that done. Yeah. And, but she wrote a second book, which was picked up by a publisher. She's now in 66. She has written five novels. She calls herself a mystery writer. And she's like, I'm a novelist. I'm a mystery writer. But had she not gone back to her younger self to reclaim something? And I think we all have those things that we, that we leave on the shelf that we can go back to. So that's just one way you can go about doing it. How do you think if somebody is approaching that, just from the folks that you spoke to, during that year, what do you think, or besides going back to your former self, what are other tips that you could have beyond finding your first love? 
should you try to do something like, well, maybe just like work part time where you're doing it now? And like, I always get worried that people retire too soon, you know, mostly from the financial aspects of that. And they retire or they call it quits because they're fried before they're financially really able to do so. So what else should they be thinking about in this period, this like year build up or a couple years build up? Yeah, well, the first thing certainly is we hate the word retire. We should all rewire and rethink in terms of what we're going to do. That that word retire is it's such a toxic word, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But own your numbers. And part of that is your financial numbers. You've got to really take an assessment as to where you are in your financial life at that moment. Mm-hmm. If you're going to live to be 90 and you take a hard look at your financials and you don't have the fundamentals to to get you there without working, that is a big, important discovery. So you're going to have to work to sustain your financial well-being. If you're lucky and you have a financial foundation and you don't necessarily need to work, obviously, it gives you a little bit more wiggle room in terms of, hey, maybe I can start a parallel life in my last year or two Um, I want to move into the nonprofit space and I can start joining boards or volunteering or being involved in a a mission that I'm interested in. I can take a hobby or a passion and start building it into a small business, whether it is, you know, I just read a story recently about a man who owned a, a group of dry cleaning establishments and he really liked technology and his side gig that he started was a business to help teach people over 60, how to use technology and how to fix their technology issues. And he has a thriving business now. He flipped over to that business and he did it you know, for a period of time before, before he actually moved into that space full time. So a part of it is what are your financial needs in terms of the future? But there's a fun game that I love to talk about with people. That is take five words that you think describe yourself, five self-identifiers. And then ask 10 of your friends, including your family and loved ones, to give you, each of them to give you five words that describe you to them. And then match up all the words. And one of the words, uh, a woman that I interviewed in the book, she was an elementary school teacher. And the word that she kept hearing from everyone was funny. You're funny, you're funny, you're funny. And her daughter said, we should go to an open mic session in Atlanta. They lived in outside of Atlanta. And you should do, a, you know, a, a comedy thing on, on an open mic session. And she said, I don't even know what that means. But they went and she went up on stage and she said she became another person. Flash forward, Patricia, who's now 60, is a stand up comic. She works the whole southeastern circuit. She took a lot of lessons and courses and she's, you know, she found herself through mining that word. So what's the word that shows up most often as your self-identifier and your your friends feeding it back to you? And then take that word and start building out possibilities of things that you might be able to do. Another fun game. You know what? And I also think that there are some people who almost by virtue of their DNA are willing to take risks or they've grown up in a way that sort of honors that. I was kind of surprised that it took you 36 pages for you to write this sentence, which I have highlighted and I love. Mm. Did I forget to mention that in her early life, my mother had actually been a nun and then was in the U.S. Air Force. 
So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your upbringing and maybe how your parents may, especially your mom, been a model for someone who is willing to take a risk, do something different. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, thanks. You know, I I was really raised, um, I was a working class kid in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, You know, no real education in the family, no real, you know, prospects, so to speak. And my mother, which you had mentioned, had been uh, a nun, and then she left the convent from a series of circumstances, and then she ended up joining the Air Force and then left that, uh, where she had met my father, and they subsequently had six children. And what I will remember is that my mother was always a person who was very happy to take risks. She, um, obviously, in her early life, she did that. When my parents had an anniversary, my brother and I sent them to Europe. And my mother came back and she made the decision she wanted to be a travel agent. She'd never worked. She was a stay-at-home mom. She had a high school education. She went to the work, local travel agency and she said, I'll work for free for six months. And if I do a good job, will you hire me? She worked as a travel agent for almost 25 years. Oh my God. Wait and, a second. Uh, what about the divorce from your father? This was well, the other, that was, that another, was you that, dropped, damn, you dropped a lot of bombs in one that, graph. That, that was another one at the age of 64, you know, after all the kids were grown up and th- they were, you know, on their own, they basically, she basically said, you want to, you want to have that vision for the rest of your life. And I have this vision for the rest of my life. And no offense, but I want to go off and, you know, live my own life. And she she made that bold decision, which was really, I mean, there was not a lot of money. There was not a lot of, you know, stuff to, to share, so to speak. And she she continued to work and she lived another 25 years. And she would say to us that she was very happy with her decision. Mm-hmm. And she traveled and she took some courses and she, you know, hung out with the kids. And uh, but yes, she had she made very everyday an everyday woman who was an extraordinary woman who made some very bold decisions throughout her life that satisfied her being true to herself. And I think that's really the key, being true to yourself and having the courage, the ability, and the, the you, you mentioned risk in your DNA to find that risk factor to say, I need to step out to step forward. I mean, I got to tell you something, Michael, if I were your partner, I'd be a little bit nervous, you know, <laughs> like who knows you exactly. do, you devote a whole chapter to reassessing your relationships. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting part of this. How does that come into play with the concept of doing something so different in the next period of your life? I think one of the things that that led me there, I, I read a book many years ago, which I recommend to everyone. It's got a it's got a model and title, but it's called The Five Regrets of the Dying. Mm-hmm. And it was a hospice nurse who sat with people, you know, over 25 years. One of the things that she heard consistently from people is, I wish I had been more true to myself. Mm. I wish I had not done what my partner, my parents, my kids, my you know, best friends, my, you know, neighborhood, you know, influence. I wish I had been more true to myself. And I think that, you know, that's hard. That's hard because we are a network of people and community with family and friends. But it's critical. It's critical because if you're not being true to yourself through your life and your decision making, you're going to feel unhappy and stuck. And I think at midlife, you know, you've had an awakening. I, I, I don't like the words midlife crisis. I like the words midlife awakening because you now know a lot about yourself. 
You now know what works for you, what you're good at, what you're not good at. Making those decisions that are really going to give you a fulfilling and satisfying life are really critical. So it starts with you. It starts with you, the individual, not you as parent, not you as partner, not you as employee, but you as as person, who you are. And that's the sort of foundation. And then from there in the book, we talk about how you build that out with your workplace and community, you know, and so forth. All right. We'll drop the second episode tomorrow. Hope you have a wonderful day. If you've got a question about how perhaps you may want to create a new endeavor, next endeavor phase of your life, we would love to help you out. We'll try to figure out the money aspects of it and then we can get you going. All right. Because if you got the money set, it's all the next part is on you. It's very easy. So just go to jillonmoney.com. Click the contact us button. Don't forget to let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air while you're on the website. Sign up for the free weekly newsletter. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple. And as always, we ask you to do something nice for someone else today. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. 